This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers, and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a seven-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash javascriptjabber. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Amy Knight. Hello from Nashville. Uh, rumor has it that AJ O'Neill will be showing up here in a minute. Um, I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and we have a special guest this week, and that's Eric Berry. Hey, coming at you live from my basement in American Fork, Utah. <laughs> well, I'm awake now. <laughs> yeah. You, you forgot the yo, yo, yo. Yo, 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 coming at you live. <laughs> Yep. I don't need any caffeine now this afternoon. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. Um, now, Eric, I've known you for a long time, and you are also a panelist on Ruby Rogues, but what else should people know about you? <sighs> Devilishly handsome. Uh, when I grow a beard, I get a white stripe down the middle. It's really weird. Um, <laughs> I think my feet are really good looking, and I, my wife tells me that's not the case. <laughs> um, man, that's probably all that you need to know about me. You know what Maybe else grows a uh, for ten years? Yeah, I mean, there's. What do you want to know, Chuck? Yeah, well, you know what else uh, grows a white stripe down the middle, right? <laughs> uh, did I? You, you didn't hear my first point. Uh -huh. Devilishly handsome. Devilishly handsome, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so um. Anyway, we brought you on to talk about open source sustainability and code sponsor, um, both of uh, which are interesting and code sponsors of projects you're working on. But uh, let's start out and just talk about the problem, you know, uh, open source sustainability. And I thought kind of a fun way to start this out is um, we all know people who have disappeared from the programming community. And so I thought we could just, uh, for uh, a moment, talk about some of the projects that we've seen either lose their maintainer or, you know, people who have disappeared from the community that we just kind of go, oh, well, you know, what if, right? Yeah. Well, the first one that comes to mind is PhantomJS, right? Uh-huh. Where And the it became such a struggle for the maintainer to to keep it working properly. And then when Chrome, uh, the Chrome, um, Chrome came out and said that they have a, a headless tool that they can use, he, he said, I'm out and I don't blame him at all. It, it, it's, it's really hard. Now I'm, I'm, I'm coming from the viewpoint of not having any popular open source repositories myself. I am a, a, a user of popular open source repositories. So but over the years, yeah, you always see when you're on GitHub, you see um, no longer maintained, go here, or no mm -hmm. longer maintained, or looking for a new maintainer, or something like that. You see that at least once or twice a month. Yep. Amy, do you have a project that you can think of that has uh, gone unmaintained? or? Um, so back when I was in the, like I did a little bit of Rails, um, who was the person who, it, it was not um, Why the Lucky Stiff? Why? No, um, who's the who's the person who did all the Rails casts and then didn't he have? Oh, a gem? Ryan Bates. Yeah, yeah. Ryan what Bates. was his gem that I'm was hey, devised? Can, can. Can, can. Yes, thank you. Uh, but didn't people take over that? But still, that just kind of shows you like the burnout and stuff. Yeah, somebody took it over, and yes, Ryan actually when he disappeared from Rails casts, um, he he cited burnout as one of the reasons. Yeah. So I don't I don't know how some people do it. <laughs> yeah, well, and and he actually had Railscast Pro, so he was making money at Railscasts, but it was still a, a ton of work. And he was releasing an episode a week that was free. So, yeah, mm. I definitely see that. Um, I was thinking of why the lucky stiff, you know, and he was a big contributor to the Ruby community. Um, I mean, he wrote blog posts. He wrote, wrote Wise Poignant Guide, which is a book about Ruby. Um, all kinds of libraries that people were using 
And, you know, a few things went down that, that didn't jive for him and he was gone. And, yeah. you know, people had to actually scramble to find copies of his libraries because when he disappeared, he just turned off his account. And so, you know, then there was this whole um, frantic movement to, to find people to take over all of his projects and to find copies of the code. Yeah. I guess in, in you know, JavaScript land too, um, you know, the, the most like famous person I can think of who had just tons and tons and tons of packages on NPM was uh, TJ. I can never call it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I mean... I don't know how that worked if he like proactively found maintainers or if people in the community just took that up. But, and I know his, from what I've read, like maybe some of it was a little bit of burnout, maybe just burnout like in JavaScript land. Um, Cause I know he went quiet for a while, but now he's really been a lot more active, but more in Go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another instance, and this came up during the episode that we did on NPM. Um, where, or, or it might've been, uh, in one of the interviews I did with, uh, one of the folks from NPM, but they mentioned that, uh, at one point, um, there was a dispute over a name of a module or of a library, uh, a company basically filed a, what is it? DMCA or whatever, because the package had the same name as their brand and, right. and patent they wanted it or not patent trademark infringement. Yeah. Right. And so um, anyway, there was a lawsuit and all this stuff. And he finally just, because he was maintaining it for free, but it was something that was used across all of Node. And so uh, anyway, um, it just kind of soured him on the whole thing. You know, he was a volunteer. He'd been doing it. And so he pulled his library and then Node land started to break. And they actually undeleted his package just so that (laughs) people's packages would have their dependencies. And so, I that mean, we see left pad, wasn't it? Yeah, it was left pad. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, you know, we, we see it all the time and sometimes it's burnout and sometimes it's, I'm doing this for free. And then you came by and crapped on my work or, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm just not willing to fight this for something that I'm doing as a volunteer. I think, I think part of the, part of the thing, part of the, I think what's accepted and a lot of the mentality out there is, look, it's open source. It should be free. You should be working mm-hmm. on it for free. There should be no monetary or any any reward for it because this is your contribution. And we don't want to diminish your the value of your contribution by having you be rewarded in any way. And I think what happens a lot of the time is you get these developers who get burned out. And instead of trying to support them, what they do is like, okay, um, just turn it over and we'll pass it to the next younger guy. And, uh, and, then, and then they'll take it over. And it's a cycle of burnout. Yep. And that's, I think, where we're at today for, for a large part. Um, it's acceptable to the, these guys build these open source projects not knowing where it would go, right? They don't know if it's going to become big or popular, and they all have different reasons to build them. Some of them may want to do it because they're doing it for their work, and they've extracted it out of work and made it open source. Some people do it because it's fun. Some people do it because it is a... Uh, solving an itch that they have, a need that they have. But what ends up happening, if that project becomes popular at all, it becomes more important to those using it than to the maintainer himself or mm-hmm. herself. And so, um, and so now all of a sudden, they're, they're, they've got this great thing that they've built, and, and they, they come to a decision where they say, well, do I, do I continue maintaining this? which is taking my free time, so I'm doing this on the side for free. Do I continue doing this or do I let it go? What do I do? Um, there's actually a quote by, a tweet by um, uh, the maintainer, the creator of Gatsby, Kyle Matthews. He said, open source projects often fall into an uncanny valley, good enough to be do- dominant, but can't attract enough funding to become great. That's a rough spot to be in. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, I'm kind of leading the conversation a little bit, but that's, that's where I think we're at today. A, a lot of people are trying to solve this problem. They, they're starting to acknowledge the problem of open source sustainability and that we can't just keep on pushing it down to the next, the next developer that's going to come around to take over. Yep. Well, and it's, it's interesting too. I mean, you know, we have all kinds of solutions for this, right? You know, NPM went commercial. 
Um, <clears throat> we have, um, you know, Ruby on Rails is supported by Basecamp because, you know, they built it to build Basecamp and they use it there. Um, you know, we, we see a lot of these solutions, but it seems like depending on the project, that may just not be the best way to go. Yeah, well, there's there's actually a really cool um, blog, uh, a cool uh, GitHub repo called Lemonade Stand by Nadia Engball, who works at um, GitHub. And she lists all the different ways that you can sustain and fund your projects. Mm -hmm. And they, they range from crowd crowdsourcing to bounty. Um, so there's there's a get bounty or bounty source. Mm -hmm. There's um, donation buttons like Patreon or, or or get pay or I can't remember what get pay is now. But um, and then there there are different ways like sponsorship, like get, going out and getting sponsors to support your project. Um, uh, and then, like you said, company supported. Uh, also, people are like, uh, for example, um, I can't remember his name, but the owner of Sidekick, he he's now oh, making yeah. he uh, a pro incredibly version. good. Right. For the for the pro and the enterprise version, which which Mike Perham, Mike Perham. Absolutely. But not everybody. So, <laughs> so these are these are all great solutions, right? And they all work for some people. The problems with crowdfunding is typically it's a one-time deal. And I'll take you so far. It's not sustainable. It's but it's it 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 helps. But you also have to have a certain amount of uh, notoriety or popularity to be able to generate that. Mm -hmm. The bounties um, are great, but typically they're not solving. The maintainability problem they're more solving the issue of this bug exists i will pay to have somebody fix it the donation buttons are what really drove me to think about code sponsor um you look at these all these different repos and i talk to a lot of guys uh and when i say i'm a lot of people who who have these buttons on their on their github repos saying you know hey, help me out pay me and it's difficult to do that because one, people don't pay typically. There's there's a thing in your head saying, why do I pay for open source? And then um, the other thing is, is that that's, again, not gonna bring in hardly any income at all, if any. I talked to, um, talk to Ken C. Dodds, who's got a very popular set of repositories across Env. He, he's very, mm -hmm. very, uh, uh, he's a huge contributor to the open source community and and he has that button on every single one of his repos and I asked him how much have you made so far and he said zero he's made no money nobody's donated and he this guy's incredibly likable he's a fantastic person and he's fairly and, well known he's been on this show yeah, he's very well known he ran javascript air i mean you know all kinds yep. of stuff but yeah tc39 yep. paypal yeah yep yep so he's so he told me that's not working at all uh and then the thing about sponsorships and the thing that people don't like about sponsorships is you're going to get comp. So there's two, there's two parts to a sponsorship. Typically one, if you're being co corporate sponsored, they have expectations out of that sponsorship. Mm -hmm. They, if they need, typically they're going to sponsor because they want to support the project, but they want to support it in their direction that they need. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just what it is. The other thing is that, it's also the first thing to get cut on the budget. If they are sponsoring a project and if that company needs to tighten the belt, that's the very first thing that's going to go. So again, it's not sustainable. It's not long-term sustainable. So that's why I, I started thinking about this and I have a little bit of a marketing background. I thought, well, actually, if you want something sustainable and scalable, it's got to be beneficial for the people who are paying. Yep. And the so I thought to myself, well, who who would pay developers for this. And I thought, well, companies who, developers have a unique, um, developers are, are great. I love, I love software developers. I'm a software developer. I have been for 20 years. They take care of each other, right? Hackers don't hack hackers. Hackers hack other people. Developers will always take care of other developers. Mm -hmm. We kind of follow this code of ethics that's unspoken, but it's very real. And, um, and so developers are, they have their, their repos where they have tons of people coming to their website, to their repos, to their documentation sites, to NPM, to GitLab, to Bitbucket, to all these different places to, to read the documentation for the open source projects they're creating. Well, the idea behind CodeSpawn is you take those projects and you allow 
companies to place a highly relevant, unobtrusive um, ad where we don't do any tracking, don't do any um, any uh, um, uh, we don't do any tracking. We don't uh, sell the data. We don't uh, do anything like that. It's 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 and by doing so, it, it makes it so that that sponsor can get their message out in front of all these developers, and they're rewarded by hopefully increased business. Mm-hmm. But then that becomes scalable. So that's that's kind of how it all came about. Yeah, I mean the the other thing is is that I've thought about doing this for podcasts because uh, one thing that I found with podcasts is that if you reach a certain volume, then finding sponsors is easier. But for some of these smaller projects, you know, uh, or smaller podcasts, you know, that that are you know under two, three, four thousand dollar or listeners uh, per episode, it's it's kind of hard to for them to find sponsorships just because. They don't have the volume. And I can see, you know, some of the libraries out there having the same issue, right? They're not Lodash. They're something else. Oh, yeah. And so, oh, yeah. you know, I could see code sponsor coming in and, you know, you're talking about, you know, putting sponsorship messages in the README, but uh, I could see that solving that problem for them because essentially what you do is you negotiate a rate with the advertiser and say, hey, look, we'll get you so many impressions. And then you can spread that across all these little guys and they all get something for their work um, where they probably wouldn't ever be able to get that on their own without it. Exactly. Exactly. Two months ago, I, I thought, I wonder if I can create a prototype that would do this. And I wrote up a silly little Rails app that allowed developers to sign up through GitHub mm-hmm. to generate. Um, they, they import their, their GitHub repos. It'll create them a simple tag uh, that they can place. It's just an image tag. It's an ahref tag with, a, with an SVG in the middle. And they can place that on wherever they want. And what it would do is it would then hit code sponsor every time that loads, and it would determine what image to present and what, what data to present. And then on the other side, uh, I, I tested it out, starting with myself as a sponsor, and then I tested it out with Timber. Timber is great, timber.io. Mm-hmm. And they said, yeah, let's give it a shot. They gave me 150 bucks. They said, let's, let's give it a shot. And, and, we, and we did. And uh, within that first month, they saw four new signups. And I, I haven't followed up on how many it's at now, but it, it was a great success right out of the gate. And so well, let's see what else we can do with this. Nice. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with this cause I've, you know, I've talked to Eric about this, you know, um, and so I'm afraid I'm going to skip over some of the essentials. I'm hoping AJ and Amy will chime in with questions if they have them. But one of the things that I, I like about it too, is that it's just a, it, it looks like a, te- it looks different from the readme, but it's just text. And so it's not like flashing in my face when I'm looking at the readme right. or anything like that. It, you know, it, it's pretty unobtrusive and just you know, kind of easy to read as part of the thing. Oh, somebody's sponsoring this. That's great. Right. The, um, we, we wanted to make sure that what we put in front of the, the thing that we wanted that we can never do is break trust. We can Mm -hmm. never break trust of developers. Every single decision we make, um, is does this help the open source community? If it does, then it's a go. If not, then it absolutely just doesn't happen. So when I created the this ad graphic, it's an it's a dynamic SVG. It generates the text and allows me to add text and and and, and whatnot. A little bit of coloring, but not much. No logos. Uh, when I did that, I made it l- look different enough from the docs that it would not be considered deceiving, mm-hmm. but similar enough to the docs that it would not be something that would draw your eye unless you're reading it. Right. Um, and the intention was to make it so that we don't want to, we don't want to turn GitHub or any other, any other site into a spam haven. We don't want to do that. We want to, but we do want to solve the problem. The core problem is we want to help these developers find funding. Let me just tell you three of the projects that we're helping right now. Um, currently we're helping uh, Bulma, and I love Bulma. I'm a big fan of the Bulma CSS framework. And uh, Jeremy Thomas is the maintainer of that. Now, that repo has 
I believe, 18,000 stars. Oh, wow. Uh, 19,000 stars. 19,344. Maintained by one person, right? And so one guy's maintaining that. Um, end progress, another uh, node module. Um, that one is created by Rico St. Cruz, uh, one developer. And then um, another one that we're doing is Passport by Jared Hansen, one developer. The whole, the whole Passport that everybody uses for authentication, and a lot of people use for authentication on, on, um, in, in node apps. So uh, GitHub did a study, had a study done in 2016 that's called uh, a novel approach for estimating truck factors. And what that does is they found out what the truck factor or the bus factor is. I've always known it. Yeah, that's how many what I've people heard of have it too. to either yeah, how many people have to get hit by a bus before this project is in dire need of help. And they've determined that two-thirds of the top open source projects out there have uh, are, are are basically being maintained by one to two developers. Oh wow. Basically if one or two developers, if the two one to two main developers get hit by a truck, that that repo is in serious trouble. And so we look you, you go around and you look at all these projects, you look at everything that you're building right now and say, you know, of course. Um, Nodemon is is you know widely popular, so it's got to be heavily maintained. Um, something like Axios, oh, of course that's heavily maintained. Um, all of these phenomic. Um, I'm looking at a list right now. So many of these repos are maintained by so few people, mm -hmm. and they're, they they love that it's helping people, but they're struggling to to justify maintaining this because they're not getting paid for it. For the most part, yeah. So that's that's where we're trying to help. This this month alone, actually to date, um, we've already uh, we already have over fifteen hundred dollars in distributions that we're giving to developers. This month alone, we're over a thousand. Actually, I think we're at thirteen hundred this month already. Oh, nice. So we're making a difference. Yeah, and I think one thing that people don't understand as well about open sources is not just the code; it's not just the maintenance. I mean, you get pull requests, you have issues come in. Mm -hmm. um, I have a good friend. I'm not going to say who it is, but um, he wrote, a, you know, a system that people used quite a bit uh, several years ago, and he set up an IRC channel for it, and he was in it all the time, answering people's questions, helping them out, doing all this work, and a bunch of people got in and just started ripping on it one way or the other. You know, and he was volunteering like all his time to it. And that's when he threw his hands up. Um, you know, other people I've heard, you know, it wasn't maintaining the code. It was handling the pull requests and having all the issues come in that burned him out. And so, I mean, yeah. even just a little bit of a thank you or a little bit of, oh, you know, I mean, even if it's just, you know, enough to go pick up a, a, a meal at McDonald's or something, you know, it's just kind of a, hey, celebrate, you know. I'm getting something for this besides, you know, kind of the pat on the head or the pat on the back that I get when I go to the conferences. Yeah. Yeah. My, my goal with this is to be paying a whole lot of car payments every month. There you go. That's what I'd like to be doing. I'd like to be paying hundreds of car payments every month. So is, I guess one thing that I wonder about a little bit, there, there are a handful of questions I want to ask, but the first one is um, some people aren't going to care about the money. So, right. you know, code sponsor, it seems like, you know, for, for people that, you know, they want another reason to do it, it makes sense to put it on there. But, you know, there are also going to be people that just, you know, for whatever reason are going to go, you know what, I don't want the money. So, right. you know, how do we help those people with sustainability? Or, you know, are we focused mostly on just, you know, helping them in this way and then maybe the community can step up in another way for those folks? No, that's a great question. Um, what we do is we have a, I have a budget every day that I can spend that our sponsors say, this is what I'm willing to spend every day. This is what I'm willing to spend every month. And this is what I'm willing to spend in total. And they prepay me. And so I have a certain amount of money that I'm ready to give out. So I, I'm looking at these every day and currently it's, it's manually assigning all of these repos to make sure that everybody gets as much money as they can and everybody gets representation, but that money will run out on a daily basis. And when it does, what we do is we have integrated um, 
uh, uh, Open Collective. So Open Collective is a fantastic organization that allows you to um, set up a, a collective and receive funding for that. And then that funding is, is it's public funding. So when, you, when they receive money, it is, um, everybody sees where the money's going, what the money's being used for. But what ends up happening is now organizations like, for example, Webpack is, is fully funded through Open Collective and Webpack. Um, they don't have enough money to drive that project for probably as long as they want. Um, Speaking uh, of another Club. project that, at least up until recently, was one guy. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Um, and so that, uh, they're, they're doing a fantastic job. Pia Mancini, I talk to her all the time. She's a wonderful person, uh, part of that group. Um, I asked her, I said, is it possible that we can set up some sponsor ads, sponsored ads for some of your collectives for when we run out of money? We can do that. So that's what we're doing. We have these um, ads where it's free. We don't we don't charge for it, but we don't pay the developers. But what ends up happening is we show ads for, for example, Women Who Code or the Open Collective Initiative, or we have one for the uh, uh, veterans, uh, wounded veterans, uh, to help them learn how to program them and their families. Another one that we do is um, Women Who Code. And so all these organizations are fantastic organizations that need funding. That's a really good way for us to get that message out. And it's so nice because we can get that in front. I can get that in front of thousands of developers every day, tens of thousands of developers every day uh, with a click of a button. And it's, it's fantastic to be able to help spread that message um, out, out that quickly. And, and, and that's, that's what we offer for those who are not interested in the money is then let us help spread that, that message and you choose your, your charity, you choose mm-hmm. your collective to give the money to, and then 100% of the money goes to that. Or what, so it wouldn't be money, it would actually be, you would be basically embedding a link directly to those collectives. Right. So the other question I have about this, um, I know we talked a while back and you were, you know, you were in the middle of talking to GitHub about making this work yeah. well with them. Um, right. And I know that that's, you know, since been worked out and it's on the GitHub. No, no, it hasn't been worked out. Okay, uh, well. Not yet. It's being worked out. <laughs> okay. Well, I've seen I've seen the banners on GitHub readmes. Let me put it that way. Yeah. And so, somebody tweeted at us because they were like, "Wait, didn't you guys get shut down for this? Is GitHub allowing this now?" Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I read all about your experience and I wanted to talk to you about that. That was a sad sad time. I'm I'm sorry you went through that. That's not well. Fun. I, I agree that we definitely didn't go about it the best way. It wasn't gone through a marketing department with like, how should this look and everything. It was just like, let's get some exposure real quick. Throw it in a readme. Right. You know, right. so I agree that from some of the lashback on it that, you know, no, we didn't go about it the best way. But, right. but then the, the way that it carried out without communication yeah. was really the breakdown. So I'm glad you're having that communication mm-hmm. to some degree. Yeah. In fact, I got on, I got on a call with, with somebody at GitHub. Uh, along with Kent C. Dodds and, and Kent shared his concern with, with them saying, "Hey, I really love Code Sponsor, but I I don't want to be shut down." And, and and they assured me that 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 would never happen. Um, they're they don't look at Code Sponsor like they don't want it to happen. What they want is we just need to follow the the guidelines. Mm-hmm. We need to follow their their terms. And so we are making some changes that are going to fit right into those terms. And and I'd, I'd like to have that done um, by the end of the month. That's the goal. Whenever I have a new idea for an app, one of the first things I do is go find a domain name for it. The company I use and have used for years is Hover.com. Hover.com has a clean and easy-to-use interface. They don't try to upsell me on a bunch of services I don't want or need, and they provide free whois masking for the domains I register. So if I register a domain that's not directly tied to devchat.tv, people don't need to know that I'm the one that owns it. They also offer domains with all kinds of top-level domains like .codes and .computer, and others like .coffee and .pizza. So when you have your next idea strike, go to hover.com slash JavaScript to get it. Once again, that's hover.com slash JavaScript. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, and and I'm just going to preface this by saying that I'm moving most of my private repositories and some of my public repositories off of GitHub and onto a private GitLab setup. Um, mm-hmm. And that's most mostly just because I'm a control freak and I control. Anyway, right. so... Um, you know, and, and I, I have had some minor issues with GitHub, but I don't hate them. 
And um, a lot of the projects that I use are hosted on GitHub. So I want you to be on GitHub because I want them supported. And so right. I, I'm happy to see that. You know, I'm, I'm happy to see that you're there and you're involved. Um, can you embed this on GitLab or Bitbucket oh, or what, you know, whatever else? The only thing that is tied to GitHub right now is the authentication. So if you get on and you want to, so the, the, the link that you use to put on any site, um, there are three things that it needs. It needs a, an API token. It needs a repo name and it needs uh, a username on that repo. And mm -hmm. as long as you don't have uh, the same repo on GitHub as you have on GitLab, or, or at least if, as long as you haven't authenticated both, then it's not a big deal. Um, so yeah, you can put that on there. We also uh, recently made it so that we can have uh, website widgets, which are very classy looking um, because we found that a lot of people wanted to put these, th these, these um, ads on their, on their websites. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great. Great to put them on the documentation site, but they're, they're not formatted for documentation. They're, they're formatted for, oh, gotcha. for readmes. So we created a different version and because I'm a developer and I do everything with the mind of what would I want as a developer, I gave complete options. So it's, it's a, it's a script, but you can actually view the sorts of sorts of the script. It's just a, it, it, all it does is basically call another one and embed an iframe, but it allows you to pass in the width, the height, the, um, the theme. So dark or light theme, and also, uh, whether you want to show or hide the image. So mm -hmm. The, the the it looks like a, a text image and then a little thing at the bottom saying powered by code sponsor and so you can actually block that image if you want it really depends look i just want the the whole core of it is we want to help developers get funded that is ex that is the only purpose for code sponsor that is the only thing we want to help sustain open source through through funding so i'm not I, I i will do anything i can to make it so that developers can be successful in this without turning anything into a, like I said, a spam haven. What we don't allow is for this ad to be placed twice on a website. We don't allow for this to be placed. You know, it, it, we will not be a part of any repo or any developer who is trying to um, just spam the heck out of people because I don't think that's better. That's, I don't think that's best for the mm -hmm. open source community. That makes sense. So, yeah, so you, you kind of talked about the steps of getting this set up and, and installed on your repo, but uh, do you just kind of want to walk through it? So if somebody goes, you know what, I have a repo, people are using it, you know, maybe you have a handful of stars and you're thinking, you know what, people are coming yeah. and looking at my readme, you know, what do they do? They go to codesponsor.io and sign up? Yeah, yeah, you can go to uh, codesponsor.io and sign up. Um, just so, and again, I'm very open. My newsletter every week includes um, our stats, includes all of you know the data. Um, I'll, I'll be open. We right now, I'm charging a dollar per click, and I'm paying out fifty cents per click. Um, and that's kind of how it's been since day one. Um, we want to make sure that it is scalable on the develop on the sponsor side. So, to, to kind of to kind of back up, I'll answer that question, but let me first add something. Um, our sponsors are fantastic. They want to help open source, but they also want to be able to make this a marketing decision as well. So by having that price at a dollar, at least for now, having that price at a dollar makes it so they can scale this. And mm -hmm. if they can scale this, that means that we can help more developers. And so I get, I get companies like, um, let me just, if, do you mind if I share my list of sponsors we have right now? Oh, go ahead. Because I'm very proud of them. And I love them very much. Uh, first and foremost, Timber, um, uh, Zach over at Timber. He's a great guy. He was our very first sponsor. Um, then we got uh, Rollbar. And Mike Smith at Rollbar is a fantastic person. Uh, and he's really been a huge help to the success so far of Code Sponsor. Um, we have uh, CoreLogix, um, and they are a, a logging and uh, an analytics platform that uses machine learning. Uh, TrackJS, mm -hmm. CircleCI. Off zero, code cov. Um, those are those are the spot the active sponsors we have right now, and every single one of them want to help developers. They're all like, we want to be a part of this, mm -hmm. and it's great because ever since we started, I thought, oh man, I gotta I gotta start doing sales calls. I gotta start convincing people of this, and now 
at least once a week, I get an email from another company that I'm already familiar with saying, hey, how do I be a part of this? It's really a fantastic thing. And so as developers, if you have a repository that you want sponsored, or if you want all of your repositories sponsored, that's great. Um, typically, you're going to end up making 50 cents for about uh, 50 cents. You're going to get 50 cents a click. And for every thousand uh, impressions that you get, now that's, that's, that's um, total impressions, not unique impressions, you're probably going to get about um, seven clicks, right? Mm -hmm. So I think so. Uh, so it's a 0.7 click click-through rate. So I think it's seven clicks for every thousand impressions. So you can kind of guess like, well, based on the impressions that I have, that's how many I'm going to get. So this is how long I can expect to be paid. We have a minimum $20 payout. And that way we're not paying all the fees on every payout and like people get $2 in funding. That doesn't really help. Um, but uh, they go to, they go to a code sponsor, they sign up, super easy. It's a one click thing. Then they can go to their repositories. They just uh, they go to the active or the, the available repositories. They select it out of a list, and then it just gives them the embed code right there. And that's all they have to do. They just have to add that to the README, and it's done. And they're they're now in the system. They're getting paid. They're sponsored. That's it. Mm -hmm. We make it so you don't have to talk to the sponsors. What Code Sponsor does is offers a blind sponsorship to developers. So developers don't actually have to interact with any businesses at all to get money, and businesses don't need to interact with them. So we are, we're, we're that shield between the developer and the sponsor. So the sponsor can't come in and say, hey, we want this done, or hey, we're paying you. You should, you know, you should be nice to us. That's really not the case at all. The, you know, uh, the developers plug in a code sponsor and, and are automatically given uh, those sponsors uh, in the future. And actually, one of the things we're going to do for the um, GitHub compliance is we're going to switch over to where you can choose which sponsors you want to support you and then choose which uh, charity sponsors as well you want to to be supporting. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the thing that I'd like to have done by the end of the month. Cool. But yeah, that's, it's that simple. It's a really simple platform. Now do the sponsors or the, um, repo owners specify like this is a JavaScript pro project, right? An NPM module, or this is a, a rails project. So maybe it's relevant to people who are doing web or Ruby. Exactly. I spend time with every, with every sponsor and, and learn learn about their business, learn what they're after. And we have a tagging system. We actually use the uh, GitHub tags, the GitHub topics. And based on the topics and language, I'm able to determine who is a good fit for that. Okay. And that's how I've been doing it. Mm -hmm. and, and also I do, I have been trying to, I have been trying to, to read every single repo and understand it and, and manually assign. That's the thing. I've, I've been doing this for two months now. Mm -hmm. It's primarily me. I had one guy helping and he, he kind of dropped out. So it's, it's basically just me. Um, and, uh, Nate, Nate, I'm, I don't want to discredit him. He, he was a huge help, but he, he also was not able to continue. Um, so here I am, I, I'm having to manually do these assignments and we have currently, I have 446 repos that have the code sponsor link on it. 446 right. repos. I have to go in and understand <laughs> and, and manually assign every day. And so that's <laughs> not something I can continue to do. Makes sense. Uh, I'm not sure if there's anything else that I am dying to know. AJ, Amy? I, I really feel like the, the advertising model of the internet, it stems out of the dial-up approach of like dial in, store your stuff somewhere else, put the burden of the cost somewhere else, and it's got to be recouped somewhere. And I, I feel like that, that's a model that just continually leads back to centralization over and over and over again. Um, so do you see any path for the future where we could get away from advertising, whether it's through like maybe a digital currency or some other method of value exchange that doesn't like always lead back to these centralization problems where we could uh, have, have a more federated approach or, or, or peer approach? I'm trying to make sure I understand the question. So you're 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 saying that if we can get away from from the the financial benefit and have it be something more, where something something on a higher higher level than financial, is that kind of what you're asking? Not not higher level than financial. It's just like I think that advertisement advertisement leads to a lot of ills. You know, like you say right now, you're not doing tracking, you're not 
you know, doing profiling. You're not doing the things that most advertisers are doing. But as I mean, the the the, the pattern that we see is that as a, a source of revenue becomes greater and and starts to have its weight pull on it, it starts to to reach out for other avenues that sometimes become well, pretty much every time become less and less and less ethical because you are the dude here. I don't believe that that's going to happen in this case. But I think in general, advertising is a right. model that leads to unethical outcomes, like trying to get people addicted to behaviors and, and whatnot. Right. Like some of those things come out recently. So I'm, I'm just wondering, do you think that there might be a path in the future to, to shift in another way? Obviously, it's being tried right now with things like GitPay and whatnot. And advertising right. has proven to work. But it also has proven to centralize and demoralize the, the, the payment channel. Over time. You're exactly no. That's that's a great point, and and it's interesting. I talked to one of the guys who is using Code Sponsor, and he's he's actually making a fair amount of money with it. And he said it's a good thing and a bad. He said I like Code Sponsor, and I don't like Code Sponsor. He said I, I love it because it's helping. It's absolutely helping, but it's also changing the way I look at things. He said it's changing. Uh, it, it, he said I could see how it could change motivation if 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 it becomes too big, and that's not what we're after. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I, I exactly see where you're coming from. Absolutely. Um, it depends on the type of person, I imagine. Um, it, it really depends on the type of person. Now, 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 companies like GitHub could possibly make something like that possible. I, I don't know. I don't, I, could I imagine it? Yeah, I could definitely imagine it, and I hope it happens. I really hope it happens. I hope that Code Sponsor is not um, the only solution out there that's scalable. Uh, I, I hope that it's not the only place where people go, um, but I don't. I don't know. I, I to me, to me, it's not about the money. It's about the time that money affords, and it's about the justification that money affords. Mm -hmm. I, so, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, I, we're all we're all developers. I know I know both of you personally. Uh, I know you somewhat personally, AJ. We're all we all get paid good money, right? We're we're not poor. So it's it's not like a hundred dollars a month is going to make a world of difference, at least at least for us. But five dollars a month, ironically, might make more of a difference, or a dollar a month might make more of a difference because because it's, then it's not about the money; it's about the recognition, it's about the acknowledgement, and it's about hey, somebody else knows somebody knows that I'm doing this, and I feel like I'm making a difference. And that's I think that's such a core part of it. Like, I, for example, I set up AdSense and I got so, I set up AdSense at one point on a website of mine that was a blog. And I thought I made a penny today. I made two pennies today. Uh -huh. And of course I didn't care about the money, but I cared that something was happening and it was motivating. It made me come back and made me want to be a part of it some more. And I think that's where whatever solution comes out after code sponsor or during code sponsor or whatever, I think that's really the key point is how do we get people to love what they do more to where they can justify spending the time, justify spending the weekends or justify with their bosses to support it. I, I don't know the answer, but, but I hope so. Yeah. I think one other thing, you know, you're, you're kind of talking about this, you know, idealized thing where, you know, all of the incentives line up to always be virtuous, even if you don't have virtuous people piloting the, you know, the open source projects or, you know, the, the go between, you know, that that's going out and negotiating on behalf of all the developers, you know, be it code sponsor or somebody else. But the, the, the problem is, is that, you know, there are certain aspects of human nature that just make it really hard. And yeah. a lot of a lot of it isn't that people are greedy or that they, you know, they don't care or anything like that. And I think a lot of people kind of attribute some of that negative uh, energy to this. And I really don't think that's the case. I think people get comfortable, right? Um, they get comfortable, you know, gem install rails. They get comfortable, you know, hitting the CDN and pulling down Angular or, you know, right. installing the Angular CLI and having it build and having it go out. And they don't think about the work that goes on behind the scenes. And so because they don't see that work, they don't see the blood, sweat, and tears that go into it, they don't see the the developer that's maintaining the project staying up until 3 a.m. because they're not there. You know, they're here. They're sitting at their desk at their work and, you know, just kicking back and relaxing. And so, you know, because they don't see that, you know, 
there's there's not that incentive, there's not that, you know, gratitude that's kind of uh, drawn out because you see this, it's in your face. And so because it's comfortable, you know, I go to GitHub pages, I've probably gone to some of Kent Dodd's GitHub pages, and I didn't even yeah. see the donate link because that's not what I was there for. And I didn't think right. about the work that he put in. I was thinking, you know what? Um, I need some docs. Oh, here are some docs. This is how this works. Great, good. I'm off to the races, you know, pat on the back. Next time I see Kent, I'm going to give him a hug. But I mean, that's it, right? I mean, even if I know the guy, and I know Kent because he's a local guy, but, um, you know, it, it's that. And so, you know, unless we can really kind of drive home to people that, that there's something behind this, that there's something to it, and kind of create that awareness that, you know what, I've gotten something and I should give something back. I just, I just don't see that a system that doesn't have the, the reciprocity is going to work. And I think that's why Code Sponsor really does work, is because there is that reciprocity, right? Uh, the company gets the attaboy and the pat on the back for supporting open source software, but they also get marketing opportunities that pay off so they can justify spending the money on open source. And so, um, you know, I, I, I think we, we kind of get these ideas that, yeah, there's got to be a way where everybody's doing the right thing and that's why it works. But in practice, I just, I don't know if we're ever going to get to that point without being much more aware of where the things that we have come from and having it make us just a little bit uncomfortable so that we're willing to donate $5 or do whatever it is that we're supposed to do in order to make it all work. And so um, I, I, that's where I really see the, the payoff for Code Sponsor for the community is that the people that want that traffic get it, they get the payoff, and we get to continue to do awesome open source stuff. And then if some better system comes along, we'll go for it. But if, right. you know, if it doesn't, this works. And so, you know, that, that's why I got excited about it and wanted Eric to come on the show is because I really see that, you know, this does line up incentives without creating anybody being beholden to anyone else to do things that they otherwise wouldn't do. I mean, I, I don't think companies put pressure on developers to do things that aren't in the best interest of the project, but it does take time away from the things that are in the best interest of the project, if, if you know what I mean. And so this sets up all the incentives to work the right way as much as possible without counting on people actually being hyper aware that every single open source library that they pull in and all of their dependencies came to them because somebody else put in hours. So piggybacking on that a little bit, um, there's a huge myth in the open source community that I'm so glad we addressed today and that, you know, Eric, you really brought to light that um, people often feel like, you know, like we're told that the beauty of open source is that, you know, people are going to contribute and there's more eyes on the project and it's a community effort and everyone's involved. And there's like this real big ethos build up around open source. But in reality, you don't get contributors, you get complainers. You don't get um, a team of people that are constantly <laughs> working with you and you're not making money off of it. Like when we had, um, you know, that lashback on our projects, there was, there's people that were just incredibly, incredibly hateful. And I realize it's, you know, a vocal minority. It's not representative of everyone. Right. But, but I think there is a huge misunderstanding is that, you know, these are projects that even when they're sponsored by a company or have a company's name on it, it's because somebody was doing it while they were consulting or they were doing it while they were in school. And then they got involved in their company and they were like, hey, my company, here's this thing I did. And then it moves over to that GitHub repository. But really, it, it's not like that company was paying for it or that company really developed it aside from the, you know, a couple of the big ones like Facebook and whatnot, where they, you know, it's a it's a big marketing thing. It's they completed it. They got it to 100 percent. Then they released it open source. It's, mm -hmm. it's really a, a slow process, a difficult process. And, and it is oftentimes very thankless. And, and that one dollar or that like email, that personal email, because they hunted down to find your address to say, hey, thanks for this. That mm -hmm. is really, you know helpful. And I, and I am really glad that, um, you're seeing success with, with code sponsor. Cause I, I think, you know, if, if projects could get say $600 a month, just to hire someone that's a college student that loves the project that needs a little bit of extra money that they could put in maintenance work on it while the person that originally created it is, you know, off doing their day job. It doesn't necessarily have time to get into the minutia anymore. It would be a huge help. 
I think, for those projects. I mean, I know it would be a huge help for projects I have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and if you have a $200 car payment, you can pay the intern and the car payment if you get 600 right. bucks, right? Absolutely. Now, one of the, one of the concerns that, um, that was brought up to me early on, in fact, pretty much every person I've talked to had this concern. Well, there are two, two primary concerns. One, um, I'm not the only contributor on this. I've got a team of people that work on this. So I, I, can't, I can't get paid. So to those people, I say, that's why Open Collective exists. And you don't have to use Open Collective. We can pay you direct and you can divvy it up, divvy it up how you want. But if you did want to go that route, Open Collective, you can create a, a, an organization on there that will accept the money. And then you can, you, the way it works is you actually submit receipts. So for, for example, it'll pay for conference trips. It'll pay for stickers or T-shirts. It'll pay for meetups, um, that kind of stuff. So that's one thing you can do. Um, the other concern that I've heard many times is um, I don't work on it anymore. I, I'm, you know, it's 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 near feature complete. I don't, you know, it's it's kind of self maintaining now. It's not a big deal. Uh, I don't want to get. I, I why should I get paid on something? And I think that's a very much a developer mentality and not a, an entrepreneur mentality. Of I built something that the only time it has value is if I'm actively working on it. And I've gone through this myself, but all of us, I mean, every developer that I know, the dream is to build something that pays you when you're sleeping, right? The perpetual income. But we do mm -hmm. that every day. We build tools every day that can generate income. Why not use that income that you're, that you're, that you would normally you use that for different open source projects. Mm -hmm. There's no reason not to put that on projects that are still active but you're not actively maintaining because it's self-maintaining. Use that money for other open source projects. Use yep. that money for a car payment. <laughs> There's no reason why you shouldn't be rewarded for that. Yep. I completely agree. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Don't wait for users to report problems. Raygun gives you complete visibility on errors, crashes, and performance problems affecting your end users. You can replicate issues in seconds rather than digging through log files and having to rely on users to report errors or crashes. Raygun gives you a window into how users are really experiencing your software applications. It has full support for JavaScript and all other major languages and platforms. It takes less than 10 minutes to set up, and you can get a free 14-day trial by going to raygun.com and signing up today. Well, I can jump in with a couple of picks. Um, the first one is, um, so on Ruby Rogues, we were talking a little bit about the keto diet, and one thing that uh, I picked up because somebody recommended it to me, is the movie Fathead by Tom Naughton. And uh, Tom is actually a software developer, which is kind of funny. Um, but uh, his, it was his response to Supersize Me, if you've watched Supersize Me. Um, Morgan Spurlock goes out and eats McDonald's for 30 days and puts on like 25 pounds. And, uh, and so uh, this Tom Naughton kind of breaks it down and you know goes through a lot of the science around you know, what worked and what didn't. He ate at McDonald's for 30 days and he lost 10 pounds or 12 pounds. So anyway, um, and, and I love the premise at the beginning. He says, he says, here's one premise that, you know, I, I'm just going to start out with. I have a working brain. <laughs> so, you know, it's, I'm not going to be stupid about this. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, watch my calories and limit my carbs and, you know, do all the things that the science says. And, you know, he lost weight. But anyway, it was a really, really interesting video, and it was kind of a fun watch, so I'm going to pick that. Yeah, the the other thing I'm going to pick is um, I have a Ruby Dev Summit coming up, and I'm also working on rescheduling React Remote Conf. So um, if you're interested in Ruby or if you just want to hear some of our speakers, we've got people from across the, the community. Most of them are Ruby people, but uh, the two speakers at the end of the conference are Uncle Bob Martin and uh, Yukihiro Matsumoto or Matt's, who's the creator of Ruby. So if you're interested in hearing what they have to say, um, you can sign up and then come watch those for free. Um, and then I'll have information on reactremoteconf.com uh, for the conference, and I'll probably be rescheduling it for December or January. Um, and so that should be fun and interesting as well. AJ, do you have some picks for us? So I'm going to pick something I picked before, but there's that book, Real Love, by Greg Bayer. And there's so much good stuff that I learned in that. And like it, it, it opened up my, my mind and my heart a little bit to really the idea of, of 
I don't know, maybe not the idea, but like putting into practice more accepting other people. Like it has this whole concept of, um, you know, like there's a certain amount of love that you need to feel and you get some of that through various connections and some of that might be your significant other, some of that might be your job, some of that might be whatever it is, but you, you like fill this, this connection repository, this love repository inside of yourself and then it enables you to give. And if you're trying to give too much to one particular place, you, you have to go get refilled. And I think that some of those concepts that I learned or, or, or like expanded upon through reading that are what helped me to get to a place where I, I mean, like I'm, I'm engaged now and I, I don't know that I would be if, and it's not necessarily that, that book made all the difference, but it, a lot of stuff in there really did the, like the way I view relationships with people and acceptance and, and being loving. And so I totally recommend that to anybody that is a human or knows other humans. Um, the, that concept's also brought up in the five love languages. I think the author's name is Chapman. I'll put a link in the show notes, but yeah. anyway, he talks about filling your love tank and then being able to give to other people. And the five love languages is about how you receive love into your life. And so it's essentially how to fill that tank, which is kind of interesting. But Yeah, I've also read that and love it. And in fact, if we keep it hush hush, I uh, have on NPM the five love languages. Um, but there's a build step required to get from an anonymous source, the array of questions since they are material that cannot be published on GitHub. Uh, hmm. All right. Sounds fun. Eric, what are your picks? <clears throat> Actually, my picks are going to be a little bit different. I do picks every week on, uh, on Ruby Rogues, so I'm going to do a little bit different this time. The last two months have been amazing. Um, I, I, I got into Code Sponsor. I got into this not knowing what the public would think, what the developers would think. Over the last two months, I have felt so much like love and support and cheering on every single day by uh, by so many people. And um, I, I guess I want to pick him out um, individually and collectively. Um, Nate Hopkins, of course, um, has been amazing in this. Huge support, developer support, my best friend. Um, PM Mancini and Open Collective. They've been tremendous help on, on, on getting this up and going. Eric Holscher at Read the Docs, brilliant person. He's the guy who coined um, ethical advertising, and he is my, I, I, I worship that guy. Um, uh, Carbon Ads, I love that company. I think they're amazing. Buy, sell ads. Carbon Ads does an amazing job for the open source community. Nadia Eggbull, um, uh, she has been a huge, tremendous supporter and help for this. Um, I was so nervous that people would reject Code Sponsor. And every day I get more and more people telling me it's helping them. And they're so excited for this to work. So I just wanted to share my love back publicly to all of them and say, this is going to work. I, we, <laughs> and, and thank you for that support because that is really, it was unexpected. And, and, and you have no idea how, how appreciative I am of that. Um, it, it, it gives me the energy to, 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 continue down this path because I, I do believe in it so that those that's my that's my really weird pick i guess <laughs> nice way to share the love eric mm. amy why don't you go ahead and do your picks so for my first one um you know i feel like so much of the time we hear a lot of uh unhappy updates about women in tech or you know diversity and that kind of stuff so uh, on the Envision blog, there is a blog post about positive experiences for women in tech. So I wanted to share that since it's a little bit different from what we're used to and thought that would be pretty positive. Uh, and then for my non-programming pick, I'm going to pick handwritten cards. <laughs> because my mom last week sent out a bunch of handwritten cards and she sent one to me. And I just thought that was pretty sweet. So 
And that is it for me. Sorry about the noise. There's like really bad storms here. Nope, it's fine. It was raining here <laughs> earlier today, so. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks, Amy. All right. Um, well, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap this up. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited. If if you're interested in this, if you have, if you know of companies that should be sponsoring open source, or if you have a project that, you know, you, you want some uh, monetary support for, then uh, definitely go check it out. And that's codesponsor.io, correct? Yes. Sponsor right. with a O-R. I need, I need to register E-R because people keep misspelling it. <laughs> so codesponsor.io. All right. Uh, well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up and we will catch everyone next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.